Hello there, this is Mark Bauerlein with another conversation. Before we get to it, a word about one of our sponsors. Located in the foothills of Wyoming's spectacular Wind River Range, Wyoming Catholic College, an accredited four-year Great Books Institution, is built on the ancient Western tradition of the liberal arts and the freedom of the American West. The college offers its students an immersion in the primary sources of the classical tradition, the grandeur of the mountain wilderness, and the spiritual heritage of the Catholic Church. Students experience the illumination of imagination and intellect through the great books and traditional disciplines, literature and philosophy, mathematics and theology, science and Latin, and an outdoor program second to none. The college celebrated an in-person graduation with its seniors last year and welcomed its largest freshman class ever this year. Learn more about the college's unique space in the world of American higher education at wyomingcatholic.edu. A.J. Rice joins us today. He is CEO of Publius Communications, a firm in Washington, D.C., with whom I've worked before. He is one of our most astute commentators on the national scene. Uh, He's worked as news producer for Washington Times, The Blaze Network, Laura Ingraham Show, and other prominent outlets. He publishes articles in The Hill, Newsmax, Epoch Times, and many other places. His new book is a collection of his recent writings. It is called The Woking Dead, (laughs) How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. Welcome, AJ. Mark, great to be here, brother. You begin with, uh, actually, a term in the introduction, uh, the Obama zombies. Who are the Obama zombies? Well, uh, my good friend, I was in his wedding, um, Jason Matera, wrote a New York Times bestseller about a decade ago. about the people that elected Barack Obama the first time in 08 and who they were. I think you know who they were. You wrote about them as well. They were 20-something millennials, Gen Y, that you know were basically swept up in the razzle-dazzle of the Michelle and Barack phenomenon. And they didn't know much about uh, politics or policy. They just knew that you know, Barack was going to make them feel good and, and promised them a bunch of goodies. And look, like the baby boomers voting for George McGovern, they made a mistake. Um, some of them, I believe, have snapped out of that because reality has come home to roost. Because, you know, there's a lot of boomers that voted in 68, 72, and 76 for the Democrats and then never voted for the Democrats again. Interesting. Um, I'm the children of, of two of those people, all right? So they voted for McGovern, both of them, and that was it. My mom was in medical school in, se- in 76. She does not recall voting for Ford versus Carter. My dad voted for Ford, but that was it. They haven't voted for a Democrat since. Um, hmm. My parents, my mom born in 49, my dad in 52. So look, um, the Woking Dead are the next iteration of the Obama zombies. So I asked Jason Matera to come back out of retirement because he's raising two sets of twins. I think he should be in an insane asylum. Uh, Hmm. But uh, he's got two sets of twins under the age of five. And uh, and he he decided to give me an update. So the foreword's called The Return of the Obama Zombies, courtesy of the Woking Dead, and quite frankly, courtesy of the reanimated corpse in the White House, who's you know, falling off bikes and trying to figure out how to put a sport coat on. <laughs> Indeed. Well, in your book, you, you jump back back a president. Uh, your opening piece calls Donald Trump, quote, the most entertaining president 
America has ever had. Now, I suspect you mean that in a, in a deeper sense than simply he's funny, correct? Look, Donald Trump is a cultural icon even before he runs. I mean, I met, I, my first iteration of Donald Trump, and I'm from Philly, so he was in Atlantic City when I'm growing up, was listening to him on Howard Stern, of all places, right? Really? So he was Howard's buddy. And Howard betrayed him. Howard's now a company man. You know, isn't it funny? Howard was punk rock. Now Howard has sold out to the woke corporations. So, you know, Rush Limbaugh never sold out. Uh, he stayed true to his original core beliefs, his original iteration, other than being, you know, Kansas City Royals broadcaster. So, uh, but he always loved the Royals and the Steelers. And, and, and to the day he died... We always knew where he stand, where he stood. He wasn't going to, you know, go to a party with Billy Joel and, and then flip on us. So look, um, Trump Trump was the most entertaining, and he still and he, and he he's going to be. He's going to sort of uh, be the the tent over this party for a while. Um, we haven't really had one of those since Reagan. Yeah. Before before Reagan, I mean. You know, I guess maybe you could you could you could say Eisenhower, but he wasn't. Eisenhower was was pretty much apolitical to some degree. So, yeah, I mean, look, Trump is a president for the modern times. I mean, I'm sure Andrew Jackson had a great sense of humor. <laughs> Old Hickory, right? Uh, cracking jokes um, about New Orleans and how easy that was. Uh, <laughs> but I think Trump is a counterculture icon. I yeah. think. I think the counterculture movement, which was left-wing, is now being run by conservatives. Yeah. And because, because the radical ideas on campuses now are Mark Bauerlein ideas. You know, I, I think that Trump couldn't be entertaining in a political setting if he weren't genuinely connected to that audience. I mean, you, you, you've seen, AJ, how many times have we seen politicians try to be entertaining, try to be witty, try to relate, you know, to the great, uh, the great masses, and it's just embarrassing. Oh, it's, it, look, it's all some canned garbage put together for $25,000 a line from some consulting firm on K Street. I mean, the thing is, Trump goes up there pretty much unscripted and it's like you're, you're getting a one man show. It's like a stand up comedy, right? Yeah. Uh, and the purpose of comedy is to transfer horror into humor. So what Trump did was he, he, he trans, he did do that. He would goof on Hillary and he would, I mean, he would take shots of his at, at, at John Kasich or, you know, Nick, nicknaming people. And that's what he did. And he brought people along. And the media, as much as he gave them great ratings and they loved him for it, they prefer the softer side of the Republican Party. They prefer the you know the the linguini spine genuflecting of you know a Romney or a McCain, someone that's really really good at being a loser, just being a very positive loser. That's what they like. They, they love that, you know? Now, I'm from Philadelphia. I'm an Eagles and Sixers and Phillies and Flyers fan. I mean, I don't like losing ever. And, and I think the 
the detachment that had happened was the people controlling the Republican Party really since Reagan left, you know, and there's some good men. I mean, Bob Dole's a good man. You know, he's a good man. I think the Bushes are are solid human beings. I think Mitt Romney is a solid human being uh, morally. But people are sick of losing. America loves a winner. And they want someone to fight for them. You know, when he was running, people would come up to me, evangelicals, uh, or people would ask me about evangelicals. And I don't know why, because I'm Irish Catholic, but I would try to answer. I would try to say, look, if you're an Orthodox Jew or if you're an evangelical or if you're, uh, you know, a Catholic, whether you're cafeteria Catholic, a lapsed Catholic or, or you know, holiday only Catholic or you go uh, to novenas every day, no matter no matter what you are. They weren't looking for a priest or a, a preacher in chief. They were looking for someone, a bouncer. I said, God's bouncer. They were looking for someone to stand outside the church, okay, and stop the attacks on religion. That's all they wanted. They wanted they wanted somebody to bounce the ACLU from the front of the church, bounce the the people that are that are trying to uh, take religion out of public life, and that's what he did. You know, I mean, they tried to burn a church down across the street from the White House, and oh my gosh. Donald Trump walked across the street and he held a Bible up. And then last week we found out, by the way, Mark, and we knew this was coming. We found out last week from the Atlantic that praying the rosary is now a symbol of toxic white supremacy, masculinity, that you might be some kind of gun nut. You might be, you might be, you know, David Koresh or you might be, David Koresh and Ted Nugent had a baby or the Oklahoma City bomber or one of these other nuts because you pray the rosary. So the rosary is under attack. And look, you think about cancel culture because the Woking Dead, one of the, the, you know, wokeness in general, some of the most devastating parts of it is cancel culture. And And I've been thinking through this and, you know, cancel culture doesn't just have to come from the radical authoritarian left. Cancel culture can come from many different types of authoritarianism, including, as Salman Rushdie discovered, the mulocracy in Iran. It's a 33-year cancellation. That's what fatwa is. When they deplatform you from YouTube, when they deplatform you from... you, I mean, I got booted off LinkedIn a couple weeks ago for sharing some of my clients' columns. I didn't even say anything. I just, like... A Naomi Wolf column, Gregory Wrightstone column. Bye bye, Rice. You're gone. You're going to the penalty box. Well, AJ, this is actually the first case that I've heard of of someone being booted off LinkedIn. Well, I've been bringing it up in interviews, and I found, I'm finding out that no, this is happening all the time. I mean, LinkedIn has become here's the thing LinkedIn's become this sort of news feed, kind of like Facebook. So, I mean, I run a PR firm, we get people. Lots of interviews. We were sharing your stuff on there. We tweeted at, and we're basically just saying, you know, we work with Mark Bauerlein. He's got a great new book. He was just on, you know, Steve Gruber's show in Michigan. Here's the link to the interview, whatever. And that's what we were doing. So then the little digital brown shirts go in and they try to figure out, you know, what's Bauerlein saying? Because if he's saying this, we've got to get rid of that. So with Wrightstone, it was global warming. With Naomi Wolf, it was vaccine stuff. Boom, I'm gone. 
You know, you know uh, LinkedIn was found. Reed Hoffman is he still in charge of? Because he's a he's become a big Democratic political organizer. I have no idea. I have no yeah. idea. I don't that's know. My original point: when Salman Rushdie was stabbed, that was cancel culture. When they jump on stage in Los Angeles and try to stab Chappelle because of his opinions, cancel culture. Somebody jumps on stage with a stabbing weapon and attacks Lee Zeldin, who's running for governor of New York. Right. It's cancel culture. So look, you could give out the Supreme Court justices' addresses. Why? So someone shows up and gets them. That's why. So if you can't deplatform them, if the digital brown shirts fail to try to get you, boot you off this, you know, demonetize you, run you out of whatever that whatever they're gonna do, if they can't get you, you know, digitally, they're gonna now come get you physically. Uh Back, back to the back to the book, AJ. Many many entries here on different different political aspects. But I think there's a there's because you know so much about what's going on. I think there's a lot of information that people can get in the book. For instance, you don't trust polls or pollsters. Why not? Well, look, I worked for the Republican Party of Pennsylvania for a brief period of time, the volunteer work and different things, and. You know, we used to call Pennsylvania fool's gold because there were always these last minute polls, right? Right before the election. Both of Bush's victories, McCain, Romney. Um, I'll never forget, as soon as Chris Christie was done with that Moonlight Sonata walk with Barack Obama after Superstorm Sandy, this poll appears. This poll appears. We might be able to win Pennsylvania. So Chris Christie comes across the Delaware River like Washington, uh, <laughs> sneaking up on the Redcoats, and he has this massive rally with Mitt Romney in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, where I'm from. And it went nowhere. It went nowhere. Uh, Romney didn't win Pennsylvania. So I basically was checked out on polls because the poll said that Romney was going to win Pennsylvania, and they, this was, this was going to upset the map. Four years later, at three in the morning, I couldn't believe my eyes. I mean, barrel line, I was drinking all your good stuff. And Pennsylvania, Donald Trump has won Pennsylvania. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Fool's gold became real gold. And the poll said there was no way Hillary was going to, Hillary was going to, I mean, come on. Hillary was going to walk away with Pennsylvania. So what did we do? We caught Pennsylvania flat-footed and Michigan and Wisconsin and, uh, you know, uh, Arizona and many others. I mean, Bill Clinton told Hillary, go to Wisconsin or else. So, but here's the thing, though, and I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go too far off the reservation, but I will tell you this as a, as a Philadelphian and somebody that spent time in Allegheny County around Pittsburgh. We caught them by surprise in 16. They were never going to let that happen again, and they absolutely did not. If you think for one second we could somehow figure out how to snatch Illinois away from the Democrats, there's no way Chicago would allow that to happen two times in a row. Huh. Even without Mayor Daley uh, helping Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, we we hear a lot. Uh, not just uh, you, you, you give a lot of not just political pieces, but cultural pieces as well. You we hear a lot of talk about systemic racism, but you have a term called situational racism. What is that? Well, 
I mean, I'm having fun with it. But what's amazing about uh, the diversity, uh, you know, the people that promote diversity is, you know, they're obsessed with identity and they're not obsessed with excellence, right? So then you have multiculturalism. This is supposed to be a good thing, I guess. Um, but if you get too multicultural, you're appropriating cultures. So, so you have, you know, cultural appropriation. Like, let's say, oh, I like uh, Asian food. I want sushi, blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, I, I eat too much sushi. I talk about it too much. Or let's say I'm a Philadelphia sports fan. I mean, look, Mark, I, there are pictures of me as Dr. J. Now, I'm a white guy. I'm a white guy from Northeast Philadelphia. So there are pictures of me in Allen Iverson jerseys that exist. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this, you know, the, 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 the brown shirt. That's right. Okay. Dr. J, jerseys, cannot have it. Situational racism is when I get chastised. I mean, I think white people wanting to do multicultural things, I think is a good thing. I think it's an understanding thing. It's so crazy. The left fought against separate but equal, but now they want it back. They want to bring it back and, and jam it on us, right? When the movie Black Panther came out, there were columnists saying, that's ours. Do not let your little white children dress up like Black Panther for Halloween. You're not allowed to do it. So me, I mean, I'm, you know, Julius Irving, forget it. I mean, I, I'll be thrown in woke prison. Let's pause for a moment to ask if you are looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium. That's the University of Dallas in Irving, Texas. Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the university offers an exceptional liberal arts education with undergraduate and graduate programs in arts and sciences, business, and ministry, as well as a campus in Rome, Italy, all of them preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. It's amazing. I mean, we, we, you know, for me in the 70s, I, I lived, you know, outside Washington, D.C. It was Wes Unseld, you know. Oh, yeah. Dr. J. And, you know, it didn't matter that they were just great. They were great. And they, 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 they won, you know, they were, they, they were tough on, on the court, but yeah, the situational side is, you, you know, agent, when it's situational, you're always a little off balance, aren't you? Yes. You can't quite be sure of, okay, what is the ethical position to take? And I think the, the uncertainty is part of the point. It is. Right? I mean, look, I mean, it's because they can, they can bend and twist anything and concoct ways to hit you you know, with the, with the R word and call you it. Right. So it's out, it's outrageous. None of this, by the way, promotes excellence. Jackie Robinson and Martin and, and Muhammad Ali were fantastic. Yeah, they were black, but they were amazing. They were amazing because they were amazing. Mickey Mantle, Babe Ruth, they weren't great ball players because they were white. They're just great ball players. And they do this to the military now, right? Obsessed with this stuff. And, and, and diversity doesn't promote excellence. Um, it, 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 you know, it's just checking boxes. Like we need everything to look like some big Benetton ad 
right? I mean, we've got the teachers union right now in Minnesota. They're, when it's time to lay people off, white people got to go first. The no. white people, they're going to get fired first. I cannot think to myself that this is constitutional. You have to ask Alan Dershowitz, uh, <laughs> you know, well, next time you talk to him. I mean, is that an example of what you name in your subtitle a Vogue cultural virus? Well, Vogue what exactly virus, is that? Yeah, the Vogue virus is the trendiness of wokeism, whether it's CRT or critical race or uh, the 1619 Project, this talk about the patriarchy, the pronoun mafia, whatever it is, this is the new sort of trendiness of our modern era, right? Last time we saw it, I mean, this crap spins up like every 15 to 20 years. I mean, it has its roots probably in the cultural Marxism pre-World War I, right? So, and there's, and look, and that's not this book. There's plenty of, you know, big time intellectuals, and I'm not one of them, <laughs> that have written that book. You know, Antonio Gramsci and all these guys that were, you know, that were pushing this stuff, you know, this weird, you know, ways of taking over the cultural pillars of society, they knew to spread Marxism. I don't know if we can get a workers' revolt to happen. So let's just, the plumbers like the country too much. Plumbers and carpenters like the country. So we're not going to flip them. We got to flip somewhere else. Oh, I know. We'll take over the newspapers. We'll take over their entertainment. You know, we'll take over their, the people that teach their children. So then you have the political correct movement of the 90s. You know, oh, don't say this. Don't say that. It's just, got, you know, the... No. Uh, you know, the when Harry met Sally generation. So, um, you know, and, and it, it, it spins up. Does it have an expiration date? I ask that question, too. And I think as long as you get some honest liberals out there, I mean, it's a shame George Carlin and Joan Rivers aren't alive still to, 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 to rip this stuff. Well, well, let me let me say, AJ, yeah. you, you 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 have a great conclusion with, with Joan Rivers, but you say in general that we need to bring comedy back to politics, political yeah. humor that is actually genuinely funny instead of just trying to get an applause line because people agree with you. Well, well what is so what's so good about having comedy in politics? Is, isn't politics a very, 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 very serious business? Look, I. I think it was Penn Jillette, the comedian, magician, famous uh, libertarian, who I think once said that, you know, once your comedians are uh, scared, you have entered a form of authoritarianism. Once huh. they're scared to make jokes, and a lot of them are. I mean, Ricky Gervais has got money. Chappelle's got money. They're willing to, Rich Seinfeld, they're willing to, to go out there and push back on some of this garbage. But if you're starting out tomorrow and you're a broke guy and you're bartending in between uh, doing gigs, you know, you, you might be afraid to make certain types of jokes because you, you know, you're, you're never going to get anywhere. Um, yeah. I mean, it's funny. We do need comedians. Um, our, our comedians are very lazy. They took all their Sarah Palin jokes and they turned them into Donald Trump jokes. I mean, they're huh. just, they recycle the same crap. They're all a bunch of monochromatic white guys other than Trevor Noah. Bill Maher seems to be the only honest one among the whole bunch um, as far that, that actually host a show. And, you know, it's funny. I was reading a story and I wrote about it, about these underground comedy clubs in Venezuela under Chavez and Maduro. They were like speakeasies where people were hiding underground so that they could tell jokes about the regime. Does this sound familiar to you? <laughs> They're down there. And then the jackboots would show up, boom, 
and arrest them. They would go fully, you know, people would go running. So it's, it's, and I, I, I called it, you know, searching for comedy in the Marxist world. I mean, that's, you know, which was a take on the Albert Brooks movie, searching for comedy in the Muslim world, right? Can't do that either. I mean, obviously you can't have any critique of, of Wahhabism or the, you know, the mullahs. Otherwise, you know, you might end up like Salman Rushdie. Uh, or T.O. Van Gogh. Remember, he was stabbed in the street, Vincent Van Gogh's yeah. grandson, for making yeah. a documentary. So that was it, man. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a chilling effect. It, and and it, you, yeah. only need, you only need a couple of examples for everyone to get the message, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's the Nuremberg Trials of Comedy. That's what <laughs> we're going through. Uh, uh, as, as we wrap up, AJ, uh, you talk about the woke phenomenon. You, you, you mentioned the woke axiom, go woke go broke is now, now we've seen a few cases of of wokeness hurting companies like disney in florida when desantis took them on but overall do you think the woke go woke go broke statement is still accurate or maybe not so general spaulding gave me a the great air force general uh, analyst, China, you know, analyst on all things China. He gave me a, a blurb for the book that says China likes anything that makes America makes America weak, and that's wokeism. Anything that make that weakens America, China loves. And the funny thing about go woke, go broke is if they don't want Barrel Line's money, if they don't want Rice's money, they've got 1.3 billion CCP members. You know, I don't want to I don't want to paint everyone over there as a member of the party, but they'll go to China instead. They will go to China. They will replace you. If the NBA says, you don't like us painting BLM on the court, we'll take it to China. Don't you dare criticize China, general manager of the then Rockets, now Sixers, Daryl Morey, right? Don't do that. Don't you damage LeBron's movie, Space Jam 2, garbage. I mean, Michael Jordan should be mad about that garbage. So, yeah, I mean, they will replace us as customers. And that's fine. That's fine. But we'll do some damage here stateside and, and, and vote with our wallet. The book is The Woking Dead, How Society's Vogue Virus Destroys Our Culture. Uh, I recommend it. It is a record of AJ's writings over the last couple of years. Uh, again, I said I think they are they're witty, they're informative, astute and something of an insider perspective on, on many of the issues that are so hard for us outsiders to understand. So AJ Rice, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate it. You guys do great work and uh, you know, we'll keep bringing you good content from Publius PR. And again, um, thanks for being a friend as well. And thank you for listening to our conversation, which has been supported by Wyoming Catholic College, which combines great books, the Catholic tradition, and the great outdoors of the American West into an extraordinary education. Go to wyomingcatholic.edu or contact the admissions office at 877-332-2930.